Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. We're not done yet. This week, the story is about the characters we've come to meet a little bit later on. I said rather flippantly on the podcast not so long ago in a conversation we were having about Cobb Vanth, the Vol characters, that I could definitely consider naming him one of my top six favorite post-Disney Star Wars characters. And I said it kind of casually, um, but that's become our theme for this, this week's episode. Uh, characters created for Star Wars by the House of Mouse. I considered suggesting that we put some stricter parameters on this for fear that we would end up having very similar lists. And then, of course, I remembered you always have a much deeper knowledge and passion than, than I could even begin to. So we didn't end up doing that. Uh, do you think, though that this is a more objective conversation than many of the opinion lists that we've made in the past. Like, is there, to some degree, a right and wrong answer here? I don't think even a little bit. Okay, wow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that my list is going to be very different than yours. I think it's going to be hard for people to make a good argument. I think there are a couple characters, of course, that you can make as the best of the Disney era. I think that number one uh, is a pretty, it, it, at, at the moment, nobody's really that close. Uh, there are absolutely is opportunity for people to get close. Um, tons of opportunity for people to get close. Uh, but overall, I think people could have very, very different lists. And uh, I actually have a ton of honorable mentions. And I am I was really excited and I, I didn't have any difficulty with this list at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't feel uh, difficult. Like, I didn't feel too bad about my cutoff points either. Uh, There's maybe a couple honorable mentions that I'm confident you will have. And so they'll get their due. But overall, I think we'll have some some variety here. And uh, I could see uh, my list here changing as well over time, too, because uh, some of these characters still have some story to tell. Well, and also we're still post Disney. So hopefully exactly. there will be new characters we've never heard of on this particular day of recording who become oh, one of, of our one of our all time favorite characters like that. That hopefully I mean, maybe it's a little bit um, optimistic, but some of the great characters we're going to discuss tonight were only invented in the last decade or less. And so it's not so impossible to imagine that our all time favorite Star Wars character has yet to be conceived or or. Um, or exposed, and so hopefully that we can kind of uh, we can kind of demonstrate that a little bit with our discussion tonight. Are we ready to just jump right in? Sure. Okay, Go I might as well it. just start with Cobb Vanth. This is a little bit of me just doubling down <laughs> because I feel like I've been forced to. Obviously, it would be unreasonable to compare someone like Cobb Vanth to say someone like Poe Dameron. Um, but I wasn't going to put both of those really because I, I can't I can't justify putting both of those guys on my list. I like them both. And in many cases, it's for the same reasons. They fulfilled the same archetype. Uh, Cobb has disappointed me less than than Poe Dameron. And so that's the asset he has as a result of being on camera less than Oscar Isaac has been. Um, I've said all I need to say about Timothy Oliphant's cool factor. I can't wait to see him around the galaxy far, far away more. I just think that he has the most potential to fulfill a very essential Star Wars archetype. Definitely. And I, I agree that they fit that similar mold. I could foresee uh, absolutely somebody kind of having a place for, for both of them, though. I think uh, Cobb Vanth is carving out his own arc in, in, in kind of a nice way. And I don't think he even, I mean, yes, 
uh, Poe Dameron has a lot more screen time, but in the overall comparisons of Star Wars characters, they're a lot closer than a lot of other characters sure. in terms of their amount of screen time uh, because of that almost movie length uh, pilot of or first episode of Mando season two. And then kind of his his small reappearance in Book of Boba Fett uh, posed barely in The Force Awakens. But I mean, overall, I think these characters have uh, a, a lot of meat on the bones and definitely a lot more to tell. Poe is, has some has a certainly more n novel based content around him as well. So there is more time you can spend with Poe Dameron than Cobb Vanth. Uh, but I think we're going to be getting a lot more Cobb Vanth coming up too. Uh, he's a, a great honorable mention for me, uh, but he is a really good character and was a good character and one of the most intriguing characters from books. Yeah. So that was one thing that uh, I don't have any, uh, I don't want to, I guess, spoil my list, but no book characters made my top six. A couple made my honorable mentions, but none made my top six. And I think some could maybe one day who transition from the page to the screen like Cobb Vanth. I think that Cobb Vanth is what I was trying to describe in the intro. Like, obviously, we've already been introduced to this character, but I believe that he has the potential to do one of the coolest things we've ever seen. I don't know what that might be, but like, I think that his best Star Wars is yet to come. And so I put a, I've bought a lot of Cobb Vanth stock as we've discussed a lot. Uh, why don't you give me your number six? My number six is something that is uh, severely lacked in Star Wars. Uh, and that is uh, a, a, a no strings attached uh, just badass mom. I mean, you get that with Leia. Uh, and this is something that you get probably with the most time spent in a, in a motherly capacity uh, with the character of Harrison Dula. Uh, and that's from Rebels. And she's the kind of the mother of their group. Uh, and she's a Twi'lek. She's the pilot of the Ghost. She's one of the best pilots in the galaxy. She's uh, a rebel general. She is a character with uh, so much uh, story to tell and so much that they've given us. Uh, the history of Ryloth, uh, that it's such an enslaved planet during the Imperial reign, uh, kind of the, the French roots of the Twi'leks and the way that they speak and the fact that her accent has kind of drifted away and that brings back when she's around old family uh, and the fact that they have uh, explored like her long-term heritage and the way that the, the, the Twi'lek culture is represented. Uh, it's, it's kind of a downtrodden, race in Star Wars, but this is a character who's just so incredibly badass, uh, is one of the most put together characters in all of Star Wars. Uh, it doesn't really have uh, a, a ton of flaws, uh, but in that same capacity, um, her compassion for the group can certainly put them into a, a little bit of danger. It is Rebels is a show that doesn't necessarily have uh, a ton of tragedy, although it certainly does have have its share. Um, but Hera is a character that is a really calming presence throughout the show uh, and one that is a great reason to watch Rebels. And I foresee Hera showing up uh, more and more. She's in Rogue, uh, uh, Star Wars Squadrons, the video game. Uh, and uh, I, 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 can, I can't see her not being in the Ahsoka show in some capacity. And this is a character who will make that transition to having more people know. Her. I mean, Rebels is a big show, um, but this is something that I'm excited for you to get to know a character like Hera a lot more. I, I'm really taken by surprise because on the one hand, 
it's clear that I was wrong in my instinct and no, we're not going to have similar lists. And we both didn't have to like pad our lists with like, I don't know, General Hux or BB-8 or something. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like I've never even heard you mention Harrison Dula. Like what, what the heck is going really? on here? I don't even, yeah, this is your top six favorite post Disney characters. And I don't think we've ever even discussed her. Yeah. And I don't, it, this isn't uh, it wasn't that hard. Uh, like, my honorable, there's going to be some really strong honorable mentions that you're <laughs> going to be surprised that you would see over there. But I spent a lot of time with Hera and that's what you get as a benefit of the television shows. And Rebels is one that it's four seasons. It's contained storylines. It's a really strong family show. And they're not even family, but the characters become this really good found family and it's done in such a great way and then in the end they do kind of a post credits to show that she does have a child uh, we don't really know what her life is like as an actual mother but to find out that she does eventually become an actual mother and that there's so much story to tell there potentially she, she may have a force sensitive son which could be a really cool kind of uh side stories to tell. So there's still a lot more to unlock with Hera, but we've already gotten so much. Uh, and she's really one of the backbones of Rebels and I love Rebels. And so it's, you can't uh, underplay. I, the show wouldn't work without Hera. I really, I believe that. All right. Well, I'm hooked. Can't wait to see her pop up. Uh, my number five, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. It's a tie between K2SO and IG-11. I found it to be kind of tough to pick between the two of them because they serve similar yet different purposes both fabulous in the droid sidekick um role which obviously we've explored uh heavily um and each one is funny they offer uh like a great sense of humor as a sidekick k2so like pretty regularly steals the show in rogue one which is it's on the one hand really tough to do because there's a lot going on there and on the other hand he's he's a great gift for that movie because without him, it's really grim, um, which you don't want Star Wars to to be too grim. And then IG Eleven, um, he he and K two SO both uh, pull off the impossible, which is making a droid death sad. But with IG Eleven in particular, there is the potential for Taika Waititi to bring that character back in another model of the same droid, and so I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, is it okay that I've put these two in one slot because they are kind of of the same ilk? Uh, sure. <laughs> they're they're not the same character, though. Um, I know. But I understand. They are very, very, very similar. Uh, and it's one where I think we will be getting, I think we'll be getting more IG series, Droid. I, I do think you're right on that. And Alan Tudyk could, is most likely coming back for one of the later seasons of Cassian. And so we'll build more, or and or, sorry, of um, K2SO story. Now, yeah. I if I'm picking between the two of them, I'm definitely going with K2SO, but both are really, really great characters, both good honorable mentions, uh, and provide the necessary levity in shows that, uh, or I guess particularly the episodes that IG-11's in, he really is 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 heavily needed. And like you said, Rogue One would be uh, a rougher, a much rougher watch without the a little bit of light from K two. I would also pick K two if I were if I were like gun to my head, had to pick between the two. It's it's quite obvious who is the more charismatic of the two, but kind of similar to Cobb. Like I I have some stock in IG-11. I'd like to see Taika back in 
uh, performative role within Star Wars, not just as mm. a content creator. And so I thought kind of because they're they're both droids that they could slip into the same slot. It's your turn for number, oh, that makes sense. number five, please. Uh, and my number five is one that most people will have higher uh, because of screen time importance. And this is not a, a dig at the character. Uh, it's just that I've got four that I love more. Uh, and it's uh, how much I love Ray. And Ray is uh, my number five. Uh, Ray, we get Ray has is the mystery box of modern Star Wars. And that is that has been one of the most fun things about Disney era Star Wars. J.J. Abrams gave us that. He's the king of the mystery box. And um, it may have been uh, folded in origami that made you kind of open pages in, in a weird order. And you weren't really sure exactly what it was that you got in the end. But it was a really fun kind of puzzle to, to undo. Uh, in the end, the, there wasn't the, the pieces didn't really work. Like the, the clues that were laid out um, from... The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi weren't really leading to the big reveal in The Rise of Skywalker, but that's okay. It doesn't really impact Rey's character. Rey from nowhere is still an awesome character. Yeah. Uh, just because she's Rey Palpatine doesn't mean that Rey from nowhere isn't still who she is or Rey Skywalker as who she's become. Uh, and Rey Skywalker has so many stories to tell as well. Uh, raise this kind of lone scavenger. And that's something that, yes, we've seen before in Star Wars with um, lone wolf type people and like Anakin was a slave, but no one really as on their own as Rey. And to have her become so important to the Skywalkers and feel like she, I know some people say it's unearned, but I feel like she deserves it that's pretty darn hard and pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to forget that <clears throat> in spite of all the fraughtness, excuse me, <clears throat> in spite of all the fraughtness that uh, has been at the center of the conversations about Ray, those conversations have been happening, you know? like, And, and mm -hmm. certainly post The Force Awakens, the Ray of it all is what generated you and I having regular Star Wars conversations again, and that ultimately evolved into this very podcast. There was lots to speculate, but pretty much the meatiest, most interesting stuff of the uh, sequel trilogy, success or failure, was the Ray of it all. I almost liken her to like, in 2015, we all started working on a puzzle. And as the puzzle got to be finished, we started to wonder if maybe some pieces were missing, like they never got put in the box. And you're like, well, no, that's impossible. We just can't find it or we haven't finished it yet. And then indeed, we got to the end of the puzzle and we had no pieces left and there were missing pieces from the overall tapestry. And, you know, a few years down the road, we're spring cleaning and we moved the sofa and a couple of the missing pieces had tumbled down there. And they have an opportunity down the road to fill in some of the gaps. And, you know, whether or not that's your idea of good storytelling, it is... A, 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 an asset that Star Wars overall has with its ongoing uh, efforts and its enormous budget uh, and our constant eternal attention, they can kind of figure things out as they go. That's what the existence of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is, is their opportunity to go back and say, wait a second, I bet we can change your mind. And hmm. I think they can do that with Ray too. I completely agree. And I think that there is like, well, not I think, there is. The character Ray is 20. Yeah. <laughs> we leave her. Right. There's a lot left. 
I'm sure that Ray gets up to many more things and starts a new Jedi order. And we're, we're bound to get more Ray on either Disney plus or the big screen. I want to talk more about her in just a few minutes, but first my number four, of course. uh, number four is, uh, FN two one eight seven Finn. And I have to clarify nice. specifically, we're talking about force awakens, Finn, uh, this actor, John Boyega, like bursts onto the scene with so much movie star potential and charisma. And, he brings uh, a youthfulness to Star Wars that I actually don't even think Daisy Ridley did quite as well as he, because he had so much enthusiasm, which was important to the character. That's just the way it was written. Um, and his chemistry with Ray was so good, and with Han, and with Poe, and with BB-8, <laughs> honestly. Finn should have been so easy to get right in parts two and three of that trilogy. It's insane even more so than Ray it's really insane how how low-hanging that fruit was and they still didn't get it right but uh, I have to celebrate uh, episode seven Finn I think he's a, a hall of famer yeah absolutely um, the easily uh, the the hardest cut uh, of mine um, although it was a pretty good top six Finn Finn would have been my number seven a uh, great honorable engine. And we've talked so much about Finn because we love Finn. Mm. Finn is, I'd say probably of everyone we've talked about thus far, the one with the most uh, of meat left on the bone in terms of character who's still super young. We've just really found out is force, sen is force sensitive and thus the entire Jedi journey is left. And yeah, had so much enthusiasm, had so much, luke skywalker charisma in the force awakens that it kind of trails off in the next two movies and he doesn't really get that moment that you expect the character the hero to have and so he'll have his hero moment and it's um and he's somebody who i can definitely foresee uh just forcing his way into this top six or you never know that's it's 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 tough in that regard but finn is star is just so star wars uh, he he worked right away uh, as soon as he took off the helmet and was panting and um you're right there was something special about force awakens finn uh that i think that they can easily recapture well, and there's kind of a happiness to his character, even when he's in distress. Something that I th I think permeates the prequel trilogy that's problematic is that they're, although sometimes entertaining, they're quite joyless. And Luke is kind of joyless. And Rey is kind of joyless. It's an it's a aggressive word, but like Finn is often out there having a ball. And that really livened up the, the initial start of that, of that trilogy. That's true. Luke is more lively in A New Hope. Yep. Uh, he is definitely more somber in, in the following films. Uh, but you're right. He does have, uh, 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 he, he provides a punchiness that is, is really great. And, and, and Poe does that too quite well. And so that's, I, I guess that, that TIE fighter sequence between the two of them is just, it, it really cemented both of those characters as as belonging in, in star wars and, and and setting disney on the off on the right foot you know what else it is not to put too fine a point on it but he is 
hope incarnate. He's really not cynical. Like even Poe is by the time of the start of that trilogy. Mm. And he's not whiny like Luke is when we first met him in 1977. He is really optimistic about, even though he's nervous, he's very sure this is what he has to do. And he's always about doing the right thing. Uh, yes, he does want to run at one point, though. He does want to run when they're at Maz's castle. Okay, uh, but that yeah. doesn't last very long. And Last Jedi, uh, too, he, does, he does run there, too. But I'm not talking about yes, that. Yes, but it's a, it's about saving Ray, And yeah. it's about, in his mind, he, he's doing the right thing. He just doesn't quite realize what the right thing is at that point. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, in Finn's mind, he, he is... Um, man on the mission. Even like when he when he first meets Ray, he's like he's trying to like help her, but she just does not need his help. <laughs> right, that's true. Uh, your turn for number four. Uh, number four, somebody that I am uh, very much expecting you have higher on your list, uh, and somebody who is just one of the best things in Star Wars, and somebody who made me jump to my feet just a few weeks ago, uh, and somebody whose name is is right on my shirt. And that would be Din Djarin's The Mandalorian. Oh, I'm surprised he's uh, only number four. Really surprised. And well, he is such a phenomenal character. Uh, the man with no name, uh, Boba Fett, but just so much better uh, and, and, and deeper and really fleshing out that character in a different way. Um, and I'm so happy that they didn't go with a Boba Fett show and that John Favreau got to create this new character and that he listened to people like Dave Filoni and that they were able to build this whole amazing show around it. But yes, there's Grogu, but the Mandalorian Din Djarin is um, growing. He has this great arc and his willingness to take off the helmet for rescuing Grogu and the kind of conversations he's had with Mayfeld and sh the shows how, okay, they've kind of had a past life together. And now they're um, in, in a position where they're doing a job and, and one's a prisoner that didn't put away. And uh, he's doing this for uh, a, a foundling that he has, or the fact that now he's wielding the dark saber. I mean, this is a long and epic journey that this character is taking. And the fact that he does it with saying so little, but showing so much emotion. I mean, the character is uh, something that we're, we're, we're pretty lucky to have Pedro Pascal uh, portray because oh, yeah. uh, to get that kind of charisma behind a mask is, is darn hard, but he really pulls it off. I, I think so too. I, I, yeah, I, I am going to mention him uh, later in my list, but yeah, I, I think that for all we talk about the minutia of Star Wars and like the, the Darksaber is a perfect example of like, what does that mean? Tell me about the history of that. How is, what kind of homework can I do on that little nugget of information they just teased so that I'll be all the more enriched by this experience going forward? For all we discuss the specifics, I think because Pedro is so good and because Mando, the character, so good, and there's so much humanity in his singular story. This is some of the least exclusionary Star Wars there's been in a long time because it allows people to come in at the beginning. And maybe they didn't consider themselves fans of fantasy sci-fi, but they got into Game of Thrones because it was a really good character drama. And this is the natural evolution to that, that 
people who were never into Star Wars before saw there was this knight who wore armor and he was a lone ranger and then he fell in love with something and he found friends. And who cares if you don't know anything about lightsabers or Darth Vader? You can get down with this. And I think that they have done almost everything right with this character and with this series. Yeah, so well said. He is probably the best execution of putting the fan in the character's body since Luke Skywalker. Yeah, agreed. Um, Luke Skywalker is the young kid looking on to adventure, but Din is the adult who is weighing change and is also faceless. So you can be there uh, and be the character. He's voiceless. And so you can be the character. Uh, he is executed so, so well. And so uh, three cheers for Din Djarin and uh, the new generation that he brought in. With this is a, a pretty natural transition. My number three is Grogu, who I know you're going to want to talk about a little bit later. Arguably the most pleasure to be derived from Star Wars in decades is sourced by this little, little green child. Grogu... Um, is responsible for bringing as many fans as as Mando, if not more. I mean, in spite of what I just said about like Game of Thrones and everything, like because he's cute, there's there's a major <laughs> pull factor in that. Um, and the story, Branding. yeah, and the story is incredibly compelling. Um, and it, we're several years now beyond first meeting him, and we're still like just being spoon fed little bits of information that are increasingly fascinating. Um, and then from a technical standpoint, the filmmaking behind Grogu is an absolute marvel and in television no less um, he hasn't interacted with the greater Star Wars galaxy yet beyond the Mandoverse I have no doubt that that's coming and I can't wait to see what that brings because right now he's we're gonna you know shelve Ray for a while and and the greatest mysteries in Star Wars are in Grogu and wow are they intriguing yeah, you, you you said it right there. He is the the new era of the Star Wars mystery box for us. Uh, he's somebody that we have so much left to tell. I keep saying that he's the I guess that has now he's the new leader in the clubhouse with most meat left on the bone because yep. he has hundreds and hundreds of years left of storytelling. Uh, you have Mandalorian and Jedi and Yoda species, uh, all the mystery around it, prequel era birth. Uh, and was part of the Jedi Order, um, lives through the original trilogy in this kind of original trilogy era um, TV show done in the Disney era. I'm sure we'll have interactions with the sequel trilogy era. This is going to be a character that just permeates Star Wars for so long. Uh, so much, so many marketing opportunities for Disney oh, yeah. uh, has yep. brought uh, Star Wars back into the pop culture in an, in kind of a new light. Uh, really like just absolutely blew up the ratings on Boba Fett. And that's, uh, yeah, because of Din, but likely mostly on the potential of, of Grogu returning and then Grogu's in, indeed return. Uh, but he, he, he is the star of the show. Uh, he is on my list coming up. Uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, there's the other angle of he's a technical masterpiece. Yeah. And that's something that can't be underplayed in Star Wars. In fact, you have a character who can also be something that moves the genre forward uh, and kind of helps perfect a new medium and allows you to explore uh, just all these new things. 
uh, Grogu is so exciting and uh, is uh, the greatest little addition to my desk. Always puts a smile on my face. Well, and what can be kind of a rocky transition is, you know, you want your kids to stay young forever. That's kind of true with Grogu too. Like we don't want him to stop being as cute as he is. Um, but one thing we've established is that Mando can do Mando without Grogu. Like he can just, there can be an episode mm -hmm. that rests on his shoulders. We don't know yet whether or not a story can be told with just Grogu. I mean, we've had some scenes with him, you know, interacting with Luke instead of Din. But until he actually speaks some words, he doesn't have traditional autonomy as a character. And so it will be really fascinating to see how they make that leap. Yes, absolutely. He That's a great way of putting it. He doesn't have traditional autonomy as a character. Uh, he is a character with uh, arcs and is growing, uh, but he's, he, he's, he's like a, a cat as opposed to uh, a human. You can't really notice it, the, the specific characteristics as much. It's yeah. a little bit more subtle. Uh, and also the fact that he's, he's a baby. And so the, the aging side of things, it'll be interesting to see how he ages over time. Tell me who is your third favorite post-Disney Star Wars character? This would be uh, the, the true star of Rebels, and that would be Kanan Jarrus. I've certainly talked about him before. That is voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, he is, uh, the inspiration for him was uh, if Han Solo were a Jedi, and he is kind of a, a cowboy Jedi. He uh, was in hiding for, for many years after he watched his master get gunned down in front of him. That was in the opening of Bad Batch, which you watched. Uh, and uh, Caleb Dune became uh, Kanan Jarrus. And overall, it was uh, this was a really great journey to watch him become a Jedi master from somebody who was kind of a poorly or just a partially trained Padawan who then had to take on his own Padawan and become a master so that he could teach somebody else and be uh, a new kind of generation. Obi-Wan had all the skills to teach Luke, but Yoda had all the skills to teach um, uh, Luke and everyone he's ever taught that we've known up to this point. Uh, Obi-Wan didn't always have all the skills to teach Anakin, hmm. but we didn't really get to see that relationship. We didn't really get to see Obi-Wan learning how to be a master. Uh, and that's something that I really would love to see that totally. 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. You kind of get that relationship a little bit between Kanan and Ezra. And Kanan is somebody who you learn so much about the force from because he has to explain it. And so you get a lot of really well executed uh exposition it's not something like it feeds like it feels like oh this is a, a star wars uh, de uh dictionary definition but it really provides you a lot of oh that's a really great way of looking at the force or that's a really great way of understanding how a lightsaber works uh or giving like a training uh, montage uh teaching sabine how to wield the dark saber uh, like, that's really cool. We learn all these things through Kanan, the Grand Inquisitor, who's going to be in the Kenobi show. Kanan uh, duels him, and they have a, a, a very, very uh, deep force, spiritual guided uh, journey that allows Kanan to become uh, a Jedi Knight. And the, the Grand Inquisitor is part of his kind of force journey. And so, like, Kanan is somebody that just goes on an incredible path. Uh, has the most one of the I, I think I said the most impactful death in Star Wars. I think I did. I remember uh, discussing my that. number one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and 
it's because he just makes you buy in so much. You he grows so much over four seasons and it's so heartbreaking to see him sacrifice it all. But for a show that does such a good job of building a family, he does it for his family and it just hits all the levels of star Wars that you could ever want. Uh, and that's why uh, Kanan couldn't be executed much better uh, and is my number three. Is there a possibility of seeing him in live action somewhere? I, I understand the character was killed off, but like, is there any anything slated right now that he could slip into? I don't think so. Uh, his voice is in The Rise of Skywalker, which is cool. Um, you could make him a force ghost. You could you could find a way to make him a force ghost and come to Ezra maybe in the Ahsoka show. Yep, um, we'll do a flashback. Freddie Prinze. Yeah, and, and Freddie Prinze could, uh, like, if you're Force Ghost in him, you can make him look like a, a guy in, in his late 20s or sure. something, whatever Kanan was. Um, it, but overall, I think his story is actually probably done, and I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's somebody that um, his lessons will live on through Ezra, and that will be really cool. Uh, there'll be nods to Kanan. Um, Qui-Gon has kind of an, a young life that you could maybe, um, still explore a little bit more. Um, but Kanan, I, I see a kind of a lot of similarities there in terms of being, um, just kind of that perfect master role and similar to, to Kenobi. And so, uh, but Kanan's one that we kind of have the full picture on, uh, and all those main important points. Uh, so that's almost kind of nice because his story is kind of wrapped up in a bow, but I'm not turning it down to see him in live action. Well, my number two, I'm cheating again because it's another tie, this time between Ray and Kylo Ren. I mean, this one, I don't even feel bad about this one because they are so obligatory that on the one hand, it felt crazy to me to let the pair of them consume a third of my top six list. But also, there's that delightful little word, dyad, which justifies my pairing them uh, in one particular place. But I mean, we've already talked about Ray quite a bit. Obviously her character is really important. Obviously uh, Kylo Ren's really important. We could talk about that too if you want, but like just to hit on the chemistry of these two people in particular, as good as I think the sequel trilogy is, and I do, uh, I think it's got very little, if not for the chemistry between uh, Driver and Ridley and the character the characters that they play and and the screen time that they share. I think that is an enormous part of what makes Star Wars now successful um, outside of the Mandoverse anyway. Um, and so, yeah, that's that the the relationship between Ray and Ren uh, is is everything. And so that's my number two. Nice. Uh, that's a great one. Um, that's uh... A little bit easier uh, of, of a cheat, uh, I guess, to get, to get away with the, using the dyad. Um, do you want me to cut IG-11 from my list? Because I'll do it right now. No, it's he's okay. Gone. He's out of there. No, nope, uh, he's gone. <laughs> uh, no, this one makes complete sense, though. Ray and Kylo are the, the lifeblood of that trilogy. Yes. Um, the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know so much to say about the pair other than what you did in, in that they have ridiculous chemistry so and their chemistry dictated, I believe a, a good number of the decisions in the rise of Skywalker for better or worse. Um, but their chemistry ensured that whatever we got on the screen was, was good, yeah. whether or not it was perfect. It was, it was good because their chemistry was just off the charts. Uh, the acting was phenomenal. 
and the characters um, just, they, they both brought a lot of mystery and they both lived up to uh, the Skywalker name in, in my mind. Something just occurred to me. Are you familiar with this new movie on Amazon Prime? I think it's on Prime. Uh, Deep Water, the Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas, like erotic thriller. I don't, I don't know anything about it other than that that all we've said that's the only thing i know about it the premise it's is the, these, two, these two people are like a couple and as far as i understand um he gives her his blessing to have affairs and that's how they kind of like keep their relationship interesting um but then after a certain point one by one all the other men who she sleeps with like die <laughs> <laughs> and so there starts to be all this suspicion around like what's going on and it's 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 called an erotic thriller and knowing how good and tense driver and ridley can be on camera together i would find it so interesting if the two of them as actors were to do a completely star wars uh separate like nothing to do with the franchise if they were just to do like an indie movie together and it, and it would have to be something kind of gritty like that and that's why i reference deep water um but it would be just so interesting to see them act again is what i'm trying to get at yeah they do have so much chemistry that it seems like a waste hmm. uh but i think you probably have to reserve it for star wars because it's almost so linked to the ray and it would be distracting of it all it would be very distracting it would be at first extremely <laughs> distracting uh because you'd also you would be getting it would be interesting because we don't really have a ton of time spent with Ben Solo, mm. uh, but you would never get a character that was anything like Kylo Ren. No, <laughs> that would be ridiculous in any other story. Kylo Ren is a ridiculous character. No, he'd have to play uh, like something very uh, a type to Kylo Ren, like in, in to torch the metaphor. He'd have to be the cuck husband. And Daisy Ridley would have to be like the more nefarious one of the two, because otherwise it would just seem like they're they're aping old old beats. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess it's just like kind of just trying to like Role capitalize reversal. on the no, do something completely different, completely depart from it, but like make it R rated, like make it complete. Do Marriage Story. I mean, I, I, I he started Marriage Story already, but like do something that's the opposite of Star Wars, but find a different way to harness your fabulous magic between you. So we're going to have Holdo uh, is going to be in Marriage Story <laughs> yeah. with uh, Ben Solo and Ray. That's right. In this new world. Okay, your number two. Um, my number two is one we've already talked a lot about, so I don't know if there's a whole lot more we need to say, but that would be Grogu. Sure. Uh, and uh, we love the little guy. He is so essential to Star Wars. Uh, I don't really know if there's a whole lot more I, I need to say. Uh, very, very thankful that reveal at the end of the first episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, we have no idea. What, I, I have no idea what we would have gotten if it weren't for that little guy. Uh, and he's the the heart of that show. As, as phenomenal as Din is, the heart of the show is Grogu. Uh, and while the probably my favorite episode of The Mandalorian doesn't include Grogu. <laughs> uh, it's all about Din's love for Grogu uh, and the fact that he changes Din so much. And as much as I love, this is still all about Din a little bit. Um, Grogu has had an impact on Luke and I think we'll have an impact on a lot more characters as things go over time. And it's a huge impact on me. Uh, I just love the little guy and uh, has 
really gotten me excited uh, about the mystery box parts of Star Wars and the potential that they can execute with him and what they already have done. Every time he comes on screen, it's like, what new thing is going to be revealed? Is it going to be force healing? Is it going to be um, just how, like, the name of this species, where they're from? Uh, is Luke Skywalker going to pop back up? He's the, uh, the spark plug for a lot of excitement. You're swerving here because I really, really would have expected you to put Grogu in the number one slot. I know. Mm, okay. Interested to see where you're going with this. Okay. Well, uh, we also don't need to say a whole lot more about my number one, who is in fact Din the Mandalorian. Um, mm. I, I think that what they've done here is is so refreshing. Uh, like I said, it didn't. The show didn't have to be as good as it is, but I don't think that they had the. I mean, they had the pieces, so it was going to be that good. And and Pedro Pascal is, of course, a very significant one of those pieces. He's funny and cool and. He's also scrappy, which I think is is a really important ingredient. He's all the things that a lead Star Wars character needs to be, and so I'm just thrilled with with Mando and yeah. I feel like I, I use the phrase I can't wait to see more a little too often on this podcast, but it is accurate. I can't wait to see more. Yeah. I got so excited when he popped on the screen and you see his silhouette in the book of Boba Fett. Uh he has an iconic silhouette, his helmet is iconic. Uh, and he will, like you said, he's a knight in shining armor, but he's, he's our space knight. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he has so much character despite being, uh, just this shiny reflection on the outside. Yeah. And I think it matters too, that sometimes he's losing, uh, like all the time he's losing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> worried really yet. Although I, maybe a day will come. I'm not really mm -hmm. worried yet that he's going to lose the war but because he loses the battle so much it's very endearing and that kind of plays into what you said before about how he is uh uh shoes for you to fill as a fan he is he is uh, a suit that you in fact could pretend you're wearing because it suddenly gets a lot more real when the tension mm. is high something to root for yeah and i think it's also something nice about the fact that he's portrayed by multiple people mm -hmm. like darth vader was too and like a lot of great characters in Star Wars are so it makes a it takes a team like Grogu. Okay, who's your favorite? Favorite and the one that I do think um, you could make the argument for Din, um, but the one that is the most objective, I think, at this point, at this point at least, uh, would be Kylo Ben. Sure, uh, and the way it's acted is just outstanding and if you have someone else in that role does the sequel trilogy work at all mm. i don't know uh the chemistry uh, that he has with daisy ridley that doesn't take anything away from her but the fact that he has such crazy chemistry with the very limited time he shares with harrison ford on screen uh the way he kills him and the fact that you still like kylo ren wild you still cheer for Kylo Ren after he kills Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And now some people say, and some people said right then and there, I'll never cheer for him after this. And some people never did. And some people didn't like him, but I just was never that person at all. I was rooting for him to turn in the throne room against Snoke and then to side with Ray. And I was rooting for oh. him to side with Ray throughout the rise of Skywalker. And I was rooting for him to throw away that lightsaber while he was standing on the Death Star ruins. I, you're constantly rooting for Kylo Ren 
to be beaten by Ben Solo and that you have these two characters fighting inside the one. Uh, it's executed much better than Anakin Vader as the, the two in one uh, because Anakin slips into Vader and then very, very, very rarely slips back. But Kylo is fractured like his lightsaber and is constantly flickering between the two and can't control it at all. Mm -hmm. And the character just has layers like an onion. And the fact that I love television so much more than film, but the fact that you're able to get so much from even such little screen time, every second of Kylo Ren's screen time counts. Uh, and every body movement that Adam Driver does uh, has meaning behind it. And so he is, he, he's got my number one spot. Uh, he is so important to modern Star Wars. While he is v Diet Vader, he's supposed to be Diet Vader. Exactly. Yeah. And the concept of a Diet Vader shouldn't work, but my God, it works perfectly with right. him. And the concept of the First Order filling the shoes of the Empire, it it doesn't really do a great job. And uh, Starkiller Base doesn't do a great job of being the new Death Star. But Kylo Ren is a phenomenal new big, like bad clad, uh, clad in black lackey mm -hmm. to some other villain. And then he gets his own kind of like quick moment to shine uh, against Luke at the end of the last Jedi. And then we do the swerve with the emperor and the rise of Skywalker. But overall, um, even the things that frustrate me around Kylo Ren are never Kylo Ren or Ben Solo or the portrayal of anything in there. It's just everything. Like I just said, Kylo Ren is ridiculous and everything else, Yeah, but not the in lightsaber. Star Wars. The lightsaber perfect. shouldn't work. It's like, but like 10 years ago, if I'd shown you that lightsaber, you'd be like, frig off. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And somehow it works with, with Kylo when he holds it. Yeah. It's just, he's, he's badass without being badass. Yeah. That's hard. Well, yeah. And the nice the nice twist, too, is that he ends up, and you realize this in the first movie, he ends up not being Vader light. Like, there's this whole other element to his motivation, which Anakin slash Vader does not have. Anakin doesn't have to come by his hatred with effort. It's just innate in him, whereas Kylo Ren is trying to force it, which is kind of a new dynamic in a character. I mean, I guess we've had Star mm. Wars characters in the past who wanted very badly to come off as the bad guy. But his comes from such a place of damage that was mm -hmm. explored in the subtext. It didn't even really have to be uh, actualized too much in the story. You don't know that much about what broke this kid, but mm -hmm. that's okay. It was still such a believable uh, evocation. Uh, and another thing I think would be kind of fun, another good theme for a whole episode, I genuinely think we could do uh, top sixes on best Adam Driver line reads. So not specifically, oh, not specifically the language, but how he says it. Because <laughs> some sometimes he has ways of phrasing stuff that's just totally alien, and it's very specifically Adam Driver. And that's another reason we're lucky to have him. Yeah, he can turn lines. Uh, I guess there. Are, I'm trying to think of what would be a, a good example of one, but there are just things yet. that he's yes. 
that it is a line. There you go. That That's a line that should not be that interesting. Right. But he seethes in the way that he says it. And so it becomes uh, a classic line. And, and similar, I guess, to the way that Vader speaks in a, in a bit of a flowery way. Uh, Kylo speaks in kind of a tantrum sort of way. Yes. And that's I think that's a that's a, a fun new way to execute a character like that. Um, and he fills grandpappy's shoes well in terms of being uh, pathetic and cool at the same time. Really quickly, uh, let me know who just missed the cut from your list because you said you had some honorable mentions. Uh, from the sequel trilogy, uh, Finn, Poe, and BB-8 would be my cuts. Sure. And then from other Star Wars medium, we'd go with uh, Eli Vanto, uh, who is Thrawn's uh, sidekick in the new Thrawn books. Okay. Um, Martian Rowe, who would be the villain of the High Republic era. Uh, and Dr. Afra, who an awesome character. Um, from the video games, BD-1, little BD-1 droid, uh, and Cal Kestis. Those are both pretty uh, well-executed characters. Cal's a, a good protagonist. He's a little bland, but allows you to kind of fill the void there. And BD is one of the cutest droids in Star Wars. Uh, and then from, I guess, kind of like the shows and, and, and other movies and whatnot, uh, Cobb Vanth, Mayfeld is an excellent character. Totally, Mayfeld yeah. is one that I thought about. Uh, I really want more screen time from, and I think we will get more screen time from. Yeah. Uh, Chirrut Mway. Chirrut Mway is a great character. Um, one that uh, I don't will see again, but I'd be very happy to. Or like Kuil uh, or Grief Karga, like some of those other extra Mando season one characters. Yes. Or like Moff Gideon, somebody that we want to be able oh, to yeah. see again. Good one. Uh, Fennec is another one that we had got to see a, a bunch of recently, but I still want to see more of. Uh, Kira's one. Oh my God, this show could be called the Kira Podcast yeah, sometimes because we, yeah. we we do love Kira and uh, want to see more Kira. Uh, and so Kira's one that about, uh, we will be seeing more of and have been seeing a lot of in the comics too. How about Director Krennic? That's a good character. Absolutely, yeah. next one on my list. And Krennic is somebody that I can't imagine won't be in Andor. Yeah. Whether it's season one, two, or three, I don't know, but it just seems to make too much sense uh, for that time period and what we know, um, uh, um, uh, like the high kind of spy thriller nature of it. It just seems to make sense. At least right now, um, I can't, I can't in good conscience put Cassian Andor on my honorable mentions list because I don't find him to be overly no. memorable in Rogue One, but I'm very open to growing to like him more in his series. Obviously, I'm excited for that show, but I don't find that he makes a really powerful impression in that movie. Yeah, I I, I like Cassian. I kind of would feel that way about Jin. Jin wouldn't didn't make my honorable mentions, for example, but Cassian would be on mine. Uh, he does have kind of a, a quiet. Uh, he he fights the war in his head, or I forget what the line is from uh, Chirrut, but um, something like that something along those lines yeah. um uh, uh and ezra a couple other characters from rebels uh and uh tick from the bad batch or tech as oh, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah uh, i do like the bad batch uh, and i'd say of the of the crew he would be my favorite i like his kind of logical uh, readings and uh, just direct exposition all the time what about maz kanata who's another one that kind of deflated but like could have been interesting yeah, we'll get more Maz. Maz is cool. Maz is fun. Um, Maz is uh, underwhelming at this point. Yeah. Like, I'll, like, there was more to tell. 
there was the kind of crazy rumor out there that Han Solo would be in Book of Boba Fett and that maybe Maz would be with him. Um, and that I think there's still opportunity for a story. Like maybe that's Mando season three. Maybe yeah. they'll pop up in Mando season three. Maz makes sense to pop up in Mando. Sure. It would be stupid for Maz almost not to pop up in Mando. Agreed. There are characters like uh hondo or um sid now from bad batch who were just like these are characters that need to pop up in the mandoverse uh much like cad bane was just necessary to pop up in book of boba fett because it was just uh, just the the fit worked too well, well and so sometimes that's what star wars does well is they just build these really good archetypes and um if you have like a bank of them it's just a matter of oh okay who who do we need to fill this void in this show well we've got this guy let's throw him in also i think it's just a little touchy to start playing around with with the character of han solo again but like absolutely no reason we can't do lando in the lando and mando that would be kind of cool that would be or also lando in lando sure um we know nothing about that Still, series yeah <laughs> actually new atlanta starts today Oh, well, that would be interesting if uh, maybe when that's through that uh, he kind of announces that's uh, something he's going to work on. That would be nice to see. Is that a good transition into the news? Is there anything going on in the Star Wars world? Uh, No, there really isn't. Uh, There is the fact that um, um, Damon Lindelof is going to be um, making a Star Wars movie. So that is kind of awesome. That's sweet. as uh, Lost being my favorite show of all time, that is something that gets me very excited. And uh, just overall, he also did uh, Watchmen yeah, as if well. You, if you have the means, watch his Watchmen show. I I had reservations about it, like not having ever read the book, but I remember the movie being kind of bizarre. And uh, I think I was just too young to appreciate it at the time. But like his Watchmen HBO show was off the chain. It was amazing. I heard nothing but... yeah that it was in every way exceptional. Yep. And so that is, and, and I feel that way about Lost. I've seen it so many times. And I think Lost uh, has, I, I could do an entire podcast on Lost's links to Star Wars mm-hmm. and how well those, uh, they just they have such biblical ties. That's really the big thing is sure. it's all these uh, morality tales that everything links through. Uh, but I think in particular, Lost and Mortis uh, have some wonderful connections. Uh, and that's a, a Star Wars style of story that I think needs to be told on the big screen. And I think a guy like Damon Lindelof could really put together a, a very um mind-bending awesome trilogy and another sci-fi legend is joining star wars you were happy to tell me the other day yes we are going to have somebody who can uh, screech in at 88 miles per hour (laughs) uh, onto our television screens and so great scott we have christopher lloyd coming to mando season three unreal perfect yes just it fits in like a glove, like Amy Sedaris. It's just kind of one of those things. Uh, or um, even the way Dave Filoni really has a face that just the way he was is kind of one of those, like they made him be a, a, an X-Wing pilot in, in Mando. Yep. Uh, it, there's just something great about that kind of background character from the 70s. There's just a, a vibe. And so I, I think uh, Christopher Lloyd uh, just belongs uh, in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, but they're going to give him something to do. So like, what do you think that's going to be? Oh, absolutely. 
like you mentioned, Amy uh, Sedaris, is he going to be like a blue collar type guy, like a grease monkey? Is he going to be kind of sage? Is he going to be a mad scientist? Would that be too on the nose? I have, uh, I think he's going to be more of uh, like a, a mafia. I think he oh, might wow. be, uh, I think they might be doing a similar sort of role to, oh no, never mind. I'm changing my mind. I was going to say, I thought he would be something similar to, um, what they did with um what's his name uh uh, uh oh the um i would like to see the baby uh, oh. Werner herzog yeah Werner herzog um but no now that i think about it it wouldn't surprise me at all if they made him uh like a Kaminoan um cool. scientist like not a Kaminoan, but like someone who followed who can follow up their research like a cloning scientist yeah, like dr pershing he can't be an alien he's got to be in human form. no yeah no, yeah, he's he's good, too good of a face for for Star Wars, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did indeed made him a cloning scientist to the Empire. That make him could, a scientist. Th- why not lean into it? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Any other Star Wars news? Nope. Uh, the world is just uh, still excited about Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, uh, and complaining about the shape of the Grand Inquisitor's face. <laughs> uh, I think they would be smart to do some tiny adjustments like it would be pretty easy you don't need to change the shape of his head but fix his eyes and fix his teeth that would take no like extreme effort i assume uh considering how quickly people have already done it on youtube um i think that they could maybe give us a little sonic the hedgehog but i'm not i'm doubting it (laughs) Yeah, they got to uh, stop. Other than that, nothing in the Star Wars news. They got to stop being shown up by people on YouTube. Otherwise, they're going to run out of room on the payroll. Yeah, it's just, it's such a, like, I'm just seeing it everywhere. The number of uh, versions of a Powen uh, and how it could look. And it's just, they went, it really is the most TV looking Star Wars thing they've ever done. Uh, it, it feels low budget, but oh well. A uh, couple of happy birthdays. Thursday, March 17th, a happy birthday to John Boyega, who we uh, celebrated tonight. Wednesday, March 23rd, happy birthday to Carrie Russell. And Saturday, the 26th, a happy birthday to Kira Knightley, who it's easy to forget is in Star Wars, but is in fact in Star Wars. We would love to hear your lists of your favorite Star Wars characters post-Disney. So just in recent years, you can email uh, your thoughts on that or anything else to do with Star Wars. Uh, recorder66podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at recorder66. Uh, please uh, consider rating and reviewing the show on your preferred podcast app or if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.